I'd like for us to consider for our time and our thoughts together this morning, strength only comes through surrender. Strength only comes through surrender. How many of you are familiar with uh, Brother Adrian Rogers? Heard the name Brother Adrian. Brother Adrian, longtime pastor in uh, at Bellevue, uh, just outside of Memphis, uh, and, and he shares an, a rather interesting story. I'll, I'll try not just to read it verbatim, but uh, there's so much here that I don't want to overlook, so I may read a part of this, but I, I just want to share with you, I had never really considered what uh, he had to share with us until I read it, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know, that makes perfect sense, and I guess that's why I've been so excited about this uh, since landing on this, but he was telling the story that he was invited to go to Romania to preach uh, uh, several lectures and revivals and so forth over in Romania. And, and uh, so when he got over there and he, he met the family he'd be staying with for most of the time there, he met the, a guy that was by the name of Yosef. And Yosef was going to be his translator. Now, Yosef lived there in Romania, but he'd spent some time in the United States as well and, and had been a longtime Christian. And so uh, Yosef had, had loaded up all of uh, Brother Adrian's stuff and they began to set out on that first night to go to the first Brother Adrian looked at Yosef and said, Yosef, can I ask you a question while we got this long drive? And Yosef said, sure. What do you got in mind, Brother Adrian? And he said that, uh, Brother Adrian said, well, what I did is I wanted to ask him what he thought about American Christianity versus Christianity there in Romania. Now, let me stop for just a moment and say that there's not two different types of Christianity. But what he was wanting to do is compare uh, the, the views and the attitudes towards and, and, and so forth of Christianity among God's people in the United States versus among those that are in Romania. And he said, you're the perfect one to ask. He said, because you've lived while being a child of God in both places. Yosef responded, this is heartbreaking. Yosef responded and said, Brother Adrian, please don't ask me that. Already, Brother Adrian knew he was, he was in for a very deep discussion that was going to wind up breaking his heart. Adrian said, well, no, Yosef, I really do want to know. Would you please answer? What, what do you see as differences? What are some of the commonness? Uh, what, what, what is there, if anything, different about religion or about Christianity in the United States of America versus Christianity here in Romania? Yosef said, well... Since you asked, over there in the United States, y'all sure preach a lot about commitment. And Adrian said, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? And Yosef said, no, not really. He said, as a matter of fact, if you preach about commitment tonight, I'm not going to be able to translate that in the idea of what you're thinking because uh, we really don't have a word uh, that we're familiar with in, in our language that would carry that same idea of commitment that you're trying to express. He said, but there's something even more wrong with this. Well, now Adrian is very, very, uh, you know, perplexed, and, and, and Yosef has his full attention. He says, well, what do you mean? Yosef said, well, in the United States, when a man and a woman get married, they make a commitment to each other, don't they? Brother Adrian said, well, yeah. And they make a commitment to God, don't they? Well, yes. But more often than not, does that commitment not get broken? And Adrian said, well, yeah, it does. said, in the United States, you make a commitment by signing paperwork to buy a house. 
But does that commitment often get broken? Brother Adrian said, well, yeah, it does. Well, when you buy a car, don't you make a commitment for however many months? Well, yeah. Well, doesn't that commitment often get broken? And Adrian said, I've never thought about it this way. And Yosef said, see, here's the difference between American Christianity and Christianity here in Romania. We don't preach. We don't preach commitment. We don't ask for commitment because a committed person remains in control. They are the ones that say, I've made this commitment, but I'll break this commitment. I entered into this commitment, but I still maintain the right to get out of the commitment. He said, in Romania, we don't preach commitment. We preach surrender. And I thought, why? There is a huge difference between being surrendered and committed. And Yosef's exactly right. We commit to a lot of things. Lots of people commit to sports. Lots of people commit to their jobs. Lots of people commit to their families. Lots of people commit to this or that and the other only to maintain that level of self-control that says I'm in this commitment until I don't want to be in this commitment anymore. And too many of our modern day Christians here in the United States treat God the absolute same way. I'm in this commitment, God, until I don't want to. I'm only into it up to that point that I want to be. Yosef said, what we teach and preach to our people is to be surrendered. And then Yosef said this. Would you go back, Brother Adrian, and would you look at Paul's favorite termin uh, terminology? The child of God. It's doulos. It's as a slave. I realize that most of your English Bibles are going to put the word servant there. But it's a slave. And not only is it a slave, but it's not a slave that was taken because somebody else conquered your land. It is not a slave that you became, as in many of the slaves in the New Testament, became a slave because they incurred a debt that they couldn't pay it off. But you are a slave because you are born a slave. You are born into slavery. And there's only one of two ways to get out of this slavery. One is to be purchased by somebody else and the other is to die. And Paul said, that's what I am. I am God's slave. Now hang on with me for a minute. Nobody's going to buy me away from that. So I am a slave until when? Until I die. I, I would to God that we in Baptist churches today could figure this out. Seems like we're constantly doing a balancing act. We're, we're fussing at the young kids, or the, the younger generation, because they're not stepping up, and then all of a sudden they step up, and now all the older ones uh, get out of it. And, and listen, you and I are servants of God until God calls us home. We are his slaves until God says it's time to come home to where he is. It doesn't matter if you're 85 years old. You are a slave to your master God. It doesn't matter if you're 8 years old. If you're a born again child of God. You are a slave to your master God. And from 8 to 80. You still are his slave to live for him. The Bible does not say. When you reach a certain age. And then before you get to a certain age. You have a window here. And we are his slaves. 
We are under his authority. And I, I saw something in Luke 7 that I've never seen before. So let's begin to read in Luke chapter 7 uh, in just a moment and, and see what... Uh, well, I blew past that slide that I need. Let me start it over real quick. I'm sorry. You familiar with Oswald Chambers? Oswald Chambers wrote uh, a devotional uh, a devotional book that you can get up and read a, a weekly or a morning devotional. And, and along this idea of surrender, he, he, he put this as a, a devotion one day. He says, the weakest saint can experience the power of the deity of the Son of God if once he is willing to let go, any strand of our own energy will blur the life of Jesus. We have to keep letting go, and slowly and surely, the great full life of God will invade us in every part, and men will take knowledge of us that we have been with Jesus. Now, I, I agree with what he says. I, I would say, though, that probably the, 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 the caveat to all this, the, 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 the monkey wrench in all the machinery here is, is that he says that the full life of God will invade us in every part, and I think that's probably the problem. I don't know that we want God. And, and his full life to invade every part of us. But notice this, it is only when he invades every part of us that they will take note and knowledge that we have been with Jesus. Luke chapter 7, if you'll turn there. After he'd finished, or you can follow along on the screen, after he'd finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who has built our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to the one, go, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Do you notice that as this discussion uh, evolves, if you'll let me use that, Jesus becomes amazed. He marvels at the faith of this Roman centurion. Can I just ask us this morning... When's the last time we did anything that God would marvel at? Have you ever thought about that? This man stopped Jesus dead in his tracks. And Jesus looked back at him and was amazed at what he had just seen and heard. When's the last time we did anything that amazed our faith? The story is told of this Roman centurion in the Gospel of Luke that he had a servant that was very valuable to him and the servant was at the point of death. 
He sent word to Jesus and asked Jesus to, uh, if Jesus would heal him. And so Jesus begins to come to his house. And as the, as the Roman centurion understands that Jesus is on his way, he sends messengers back. He says, no, 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 that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I'm not worthy for this man to come unto my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And I've heard all the sermons about the humility of this great Roman centurion. And no doubt he was a humble man. And he proves that by saying, I'm not worthy. But I think there is a, 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 a little nuance, if you will, to this passage that we overlook many times. Let's understand a little bit about a Roman centurion, if you will. A legion, a legion of soldiers in Rome would often have anywhere from six to ten cohorts. Now what a cohort is would be what we would call a unit. All right. So each legion would have anywhere from six to ten units in that legion. Mind you that Jesus said I could call twelve legions of angels. So that's what he's talking about. I could call twelve of these legions, each legion having anywhere from six to ten cohorts or units. Now every cohort had anywhere from five to eight centurions. And each centurion, although we think centurion, and we think of the word century, we think of a hundred men, we would think that they had a hundred men under them. And sometimes they did, but most often it was around 80. There's a whole other story as to why the term centurion is used, which we don't have time for this morning. This Roman centurion was kind of a cream of a crop kind of guy. You see, in a world that was mostly illiterate, Rome says you can't be. Yeah. 
has a, a special place in his heart for Jews because he had built the synagogue there in Capernaum. But he is a great man of faith. And so he sends word and he asks Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus responds by, by, by beginning to travel to the centurion's house. And the centurion says, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I'm not worthy for you to come here. But I want you to look with me again, if you will, in Luke chapter 7 and verse 6. And see that there is something else here besides just the idea that he was a humble man and a man of faith. But I want you to look at Luke chapter 7 and verse 6. Uh, yeah, verse 6. Then Jesus, Jesus went with them, and when he was uh, now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Now notice verse 8. For, that word for is the, is the key to all this. It's saying, I, I'm asking you just to do this because I understand something. I understand something about authority. I also am a man set where? Under authority. I, I've been in church all my life and I've never had a preacher pointed out the idea that this Roman centurion says, I understand how this works, Lord. Why? And we always talk about his, his humility and the fact that he is over these men. But notice what he starts off with. Where am I? Please don't tune me out because you get the whole cookie right here, right at the front. The only way a centurion remains over those men is he must stay surrendered under those who go with him. Then they make But they go to the emperor of Rome.
when I'm weak. The, the, the centurion said, uh, my strength, my ability to do the things that I do only comes because I am surrendered to those that are above me. Strength comes through surrender. You've heard me preach for five years now about commit and commit. We need commitment. We need commitment. We need commitment. And, and Yosef's about to change my mind. We don't need commitment because we don't need children of God that are given to God and yet remaining in control so that they snatch it back away. What we need, Yosef, is right, is an old-fashioned falling on our knees before God and surrendering to Him. Lord, here I am. Take it all. I'm yours. I keep no control. I keep, I, listen, I don't set parameters on this, Lord. I don't tell you how far I'm willing to go. I don't tell you how long I'm willing to do it. I don't tell you that, you know, I'll teach in this class until that church finally gets somebody else. But they can watch this, you know, if somebody else is going to. Listen, I am yours to do what you tell me to do as long as you tell me to do it. And to the very best of my ability, I am your slave. I surrender. The word doulos that I mentioned a minute ago, this idea of a slave. I've shared with you before that the, the only way I really know how to, to define that term for us so that we'll have a good clear picture is this. One whose will becomes swallowed up by another. One whose will, W-I-L-L, -L, whose desire, whose intent, whose, whose uh, actions, whose thoughts, Everything about me now becomes swallowed up by Christ. And what you wind up with then is I don't have a will. I have Christ's will that guides my life. Commitment versus surrender. See, well, how do we get to this place? We must understand that we can never be over those things that God wants us to be, uh, be over until we learn to be under those things that God has set over us. Sometimes I, I, I find these quotes, and it, I have to read them four or five times for them to all really, you know, get in my mind. But boy, you said a mouthful in this one. If I'm ever going to gain the victory over my sin in my life, then I've got to surrender to that which God's put over me. If I'm ever going to gain the victory leading others to Christ and, and, and doing those things that God has set for me to do, I must surrender to that which he's set over me. Husbands, fathers, if we are ever, ever going to save this matter for us,
remember reading in the, in, the, uh, in the Gospel of John when Jesus talked about the truth shall set you free and the, and the Pharisees, what did they say? Free? We're the children of Abraham. What do you mean set us free? We are free. We've never been enslaved to anybody. Boy, and we go to preaching about them Pharisees, don't we? All them terrible people. The United States of America, we hate the idea of us being enslaved. But you go back to the Gospel of John, and it says, if you are a, if sin controls your life, if, and without Jesus Christ as your Savior, it does, then you are a And God's people are okay with that because we say, well, yeah, but that's, that was before I'm saved. Now that I'm saved, I'm not anymore. And you're right, you're not. You still sin, but you're not a slave to it anymore. But here's the thing. You didn't quit being a slave. Remember I said, how do you become a, 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 a doulos? You are born into it. I was born into the slavery of sin by my depraved flesh. And the day, listen to me, the day that Jesus Christ redeemed my soul, I was what? We call it born again. I was born into slavery, his slave. And I'll be there till the day I die. His slave. We hate that idea. We much prefer the idea of commitment, although that doesn't really settle well with us when we hear that. We used to fuss about that. All he ever talks about is how we ought to be committed. I'm so tired of hearing how we ought to be committed. Committed leaves me in control. Being a slave means I have no control. My will just got swallowed up in his. So how do we, how do we reach this point? Well, remember what I said? We have to, we have to surrender to that which he has set over us. We'll start with his word. His word. How much of it? The parts we like? Living in 2000, guess what most people believe? What parts of it? The New Testament. The Old Testament has nothing to do with that. Every Every scripture that is inspired is profitable for what? For instruction, for training, for guidance, for direction. This book, although there are parts of it I don't like and parts of it you don't like, this book God has set over us. Not to try to figure out how to explain away those parts we don't like. Not to try to explain away uh, uh, how, it, you know, this is a hard part for me. Not to say, well, now we have changed the laws in our nation, so now we must change the word of God. I don't care if they legalize everything under the sun. God's word still sets the standard of what's right and what's wrong. And it always will. And he set it over us. With the expectation that we would read it, that we would study it, that we would learn it, and that we would fall under its precepts. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How do we handle this situation? Well, what's his word say? 
Well, I don't like what his word says there. Remember, there was an Old Testament uh, story of that same thing going on. One of the kings of Israel said, well, I want to go, go fight a battle. I'm just in the mood to fight today. So he invited the other kings to come and join them. Well, did you ask of God? Man, if I got to do that, now I got to go talk to one of those prophets, and they never tell me what I want to hear. All they do is keep telling me the word of God, and that ain't what I want to hear. We're a lot like that sometimes. His word is set over us for us to fall under it, whether we like it, whether we agree with it, whether we think it's difficult. And even when we think we've entered into a new generation and this does not apply anymore, it still does, and we're still under it. Surrender to his word, surrender to his spirit. This is not just that keeps me from going through the liquor store drive through because his spirit convicts me. This is not just I, I, I try to control and curtail some of my language because his spirit convicts me. But sometimes this is even involved in our good things that we do. You know, the Apostle Paul was going on missionary journeys. Was there anything wrong going on missionary journeys? Is that not what God called him to do? And so he was found and determined, I'm going this way, and God kept shut the door. No, Paul, no, Paul, listen to me, Paul. I remember when my mom and daddy would just, you could hear them get loud like that. Son, would you just listen to me for a minute? I'm trying to explain this to you. I remember sometimes the guy don't know, shake and say, listen to me. That's not where I want. Would Paul do anything different over there than he would have done here? The Bible says it was he did as his custom was, as his manner was, wasn't it? He gonna do the exact same activity there that he would have done there. The difference is, is God didn't let him there. God wanted him there. And if we are not surrendered to His Spirit, and we come down to there or there, what makes the decision for us? Which one's going to be best for me, more convenient for me? Surrender to his spirit. I, I think that's one of the things that is hurting our churches so much more than, than anything else in the world. The amount of opportunities that God gives us to live for him, to share the gospel, to reach somebody. And we're so caught up in become powerful when we surrender to his word. We become powerful when we surrender to his spirit. We become powerful when we surrender to his messengers. In closing, in just a little bit, let me, let me ask you to do an a, a exercise with me.
always surrender to his workings and his will and his, his movements in our life. I saw this t-shirt quite some time ago. I think it's probably one of the best t-shirts. Brother Dave was talking about t-shirts this morning. As far as I'm concerned, I think this is probably one of the best t-shirts I've ever seen. The devil saw me with my head down and thought he'd won until I said amen. Say, so, well, what's this got to do with what you've been talking about? You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Oh, Father. Oh, I dread this. Sweating great drops of blood. This is not what I want. The pain is going to be unbearable. The mockery. The humiliation. More than I can bear. God, there'll be a moment on that cross where our fellowship's going to be interrupted because I will be carrying the sin price of all of humanity. I've never known, not one second in eternity past, have I ever known one second when we were not in perfect fellowship. And now, for these few hours, I will be out of your fellowship. Father, I... But not what I will. Father, I'm surrendered. You see, a committed man might have knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, I'm committed, but that's too much. That price is way too great. But the surrendered Christ says, Father, whatever you want me to do. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says that we're to have the same mind that Christ had. Surrender to the Father to the point that we would come, that like he did, come to this earth and be robed in flesh and be obedient even to the cross. But then Philippians says this in chapter 2, Wherefore, because my son... Surrender to my will, wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. If Faith Missionary Baptist Church is going to be a great church, and if we're going to get the victories in Arkadelphia that God wants us to get, we must first kneel before God. And totally surrender. Relinquishing all shreds in any ray of any uh, of myself. But God, here I am. You bought me with your son's precious blood. I belong to you. Father, I'm not committed to you. But I'm surrendered to you today. Father, we come to you this morning. We want to be strong, Lord. We want to gain victories here at Faith Missionary Baptist Church. We want to make 
differences in your life that those that you bring in contact with. Father, if we're going to ever do that, we're going to have to start in this room. Pray that you have a lot of time Sunday morning, every now and then. If I have to start, I'm there every time. Pray that you have a lot of time. 